It's wonderful uh, for Keiko and I to be here. I consider it um, honestly a great privilege. It's always uh, good for me to be back here. So I'm really thankful to Pastor Andrew, the MCC leadership, all of you. It's a real pleasure and a privilege uh, for me to be here. I want you all to know that comes from the bottom of my heart. Uh, I was going to remind all of us to be thankful this morning, but uh, you all have kind of put me in an awkward situation. How do you remind people that are already thankful to be thankful? So um, we'll see how the message goes. Today we're in Luke chapter 17 and verses 11 through 19. Luke 17 and verses 11 to 19. If you have your Bibles, um, you can turn there. I think the last time I was here, I cited like 150 scriptures and I was uh, whizzing through them, just spending like a second on each. So a couple of people didn't have enough time to catch up with the verses. So I'll try to uh, spend a bit uh, more time on the verses. So that's Luke 17, 11 to 19. This is the story of the 10 lepers. And the message for today is lessons on need and gratitude. In other words, we'll be looking at how to have our needs met or the kind of attitude we ought to have and also uh, how to have an attitude of thankfulness. So uh, let's read the passage together. I'm reading from the NASB. From verse 11, it starts. While he was on his way to Jerusalem, he, that's Jesus, was passing between Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered a village, 10 men with leprosy who stood at a distance met him. And they raised their voices saying, Jesus, master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they were going, they were cleansed. Now one of them, when he saw that he had been healed, turned back glorifying God with a loud voice and he fell on his face at his feet, giving thanks to him. That's of course Jesus. And then it says, and he was a Samaritan. Verse 17 reads, but Jesus responded and said, were there not 10 cleansed? But the nine, where are they? Was no one found who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, stand up and go. Your faith has made you well. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for your word. I uh, thank you that uh, scripture tells us yeah, that all, the entire canon is inspired by you, God, and is useful for rebuking and teaching and instructing us in the way that, that we should go. I pray that, Lord, that may be true of uh, your word as we look into it today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So the story begins as Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem. And, and scripture tells us that as he enters this village, he's met by 10 lepers. It's verse 12 that tells us 10 lepers met him. Now, you, you might already be aware of this, but 
biblical leprosy actually included a variety of skin diseases, some of which were more contagious than others. In our modern day, there's generally kind of one idea that we have of leprosy. And so the Center for Disease Control describes leprosy this way. It says, Hansen's disease, also known as leprosy, is an infection caused by slow-growing bacteria called Mycobacterium leprae. It can affect the nerves, skin, eyes, and lining of the nose. With early diagnosis and treatment, the disease can be cured. Leprosy was once feared as a highly contagious and devastating disease, but now we know it doesn't spread easily and treatment is very effective. However, if left untreated, the nerve damage can result in crippling of hands and feet, paralysis, and even blindness. Now, the Scottish theologian and Bible commentator also gives us his perspective on the more serious kind of leprosy and how it expresses itself. So William Barclay says, leprosy might begin with a loss of all sensation in some parts of the body. The nerve trunks are affected. The muscles waste away. The tendons contract until the hands become like claws. There follows ulceration in the hands and in the feet. Then comes the progressive loss of fingers and toes. So parts of your body begin to fall off because of the nerve damage. Until, in the end, a whole hand or an entire foot might drop off. Then comes the progressive loss of fingers and toes. Until, in the end, entire parts of the body fall off. The duration of this kind of leprosy is anything from 20 to 30 years. So a person could endure this kind of suffering for up to 30 years. And then he says it is a progressive death in which a person dies inch by inch. So you're basically wasting away. Now, scripture tells us that these 10 lepers, when they met Jesus... They stood at a distance as they said to him, Master, have mercy on us. So it's possible that these 10 lepers had the bad kind of leprosy. And in those times, it was the priest's duty to diagnose leprosy and to certify whether someone was healthy or not. And Jewish law provided guidelines on how this was to be done. And so back then, if you had leprosy, it was pretty much a death sentence because there was no effective way of treating it back then. And so I want you to think of any incurable disease that we have now. And what made things worse in those times is that the infected person, if you had leprosy, you had to be kept in isolation, away from healthy people. And so there was this sense of loneliness if you had leprosy. 
another aspect of this stigma associated with leprosy is that if you had leprosy, you had to go around shouting, unclean, unclean, so that anybody who's healthy stays away from you. So you can imagine how that must have felt like. Kind of dehumanizing. Something else about leprosy was that if you had leprosy, people tended to view it as a sign of God's judgment upon your life. So if you had leprosy, it was probably because you did something wrong against God or you sinned against God. And so people tended to be less compassionate, less empathetic, because they thought probably you did something against God and you deserved what you got. Now, coming back to our text in Luke, I want us to notice some things that worked in the 10 lepers' favor that worked to help get their needs met in spite of their devastating and lonely condition. I want us to put ourselves in the 10 lepers' shoes at this point. And so the first thing I would want us to notice is this sense of desperation that they had. In verse 13, we're told, they lifted up their voices saying, Jesus, master, have mercy on us. At this point, all 10 of them are in this together. They're united in their call for Jesus to have mercy on them. And we, we notice that they also call Jesus by name. So they, they'd probably heard about him. And they use the term master, not rabbi or teacher. So they're not looking for instruction. They're looking for something more. And as readers of this text, we know that what they're seeking from Jesus is, in fact, healing. Now, notice that the 10 lepers have no idea where Jesus is going. Jesus could be headed to an important meeting. Jesus could be tired. Jesus could be busy. Jesus could have no time for interruption. But do you think these 10 lepers really care? No. All these 10 lepers want is an audience with Jesus. They are so desperate that they are willing to interrupt Jesus no matter what. And so it is their sense of desperation that brings them to Jesus. And this reminds me of my own life. There are seasons in my life when things are going relatively well. Uh, there's enough money in the bank. My family members are all healthy. I don't have a pressing exam around the corner. Things are generally going well, and I am not necessarily desperate to meet with Jesus. And then there are those other seasons that God brings into my life. Seasons when things seem to be uncertain. Things seem to be falling apart. Maybe I've received some bad news. Maybe someone I love is sick. Maybe I'm at a point where I'm trying to make different life decisions. Maybe I'm uncertain about the future. And so I feel as if I am in a state of desperation. And so in those times, 
I will rise early in the morning. Even if I'm tired, even if I don't feel like it, I will rise early to try and pray, to try and read God's word, to try and hear his voice, to try and get close to him to hear what Jesus will say to me. And so in those seasons, it is my sense of desperation that drives me to Jesus, that draws me close to him, that kindles a fire for me to want to call out to him and reach out for him just because I am desperate. And so my question for us at this point is, could it be that the reason that God has put that desperate situation in your life right now is so that you will call to him, so that you would spend time seeking his face and give him the opportunity to answer you and to intervene on your behalf. So my encouragement to you is don't waste your sense of desperation. Use it as your fuel to draw closer to Jesus and hear what he will say to you. Moving on, another thing I want us to notice about these 10 lepers that worked to their advantage in having their need met is simply a spirit of humility. We'll notice something. We'll notice that not only do they obey Jesus immediately when he tells them to go and show themselves to the priest, but another thing we notice is that they stood at a distance away from Jesus. Of course, there was a crowd around him, but nevertheless, they chose to stand at a distance from Jesus. And so this tells us that they had a sense of their state of uncleanness. And because of this, they chose to maintain a respectful distance from Jesus and the crowd. This shows us that they had a respect for the Jewish law. Now, the reason I think it's important for us to notice this is that we know of other instances in Scripture when people who were in a condition of desperation, a condition of sickness, was so desperate that they ignored the law and rushed through the crowd just to be able to touch Jesus. They forgot all about the law. But not so with these 10 lepers. In spite of their desperation, in spite of their sickness, there's a sense in which they maintained a spirit of humility by maintaining a respect for the law and keeping their distance from Jesus and the crowd. And so my point here is this. How often is it in your life and in my life when we are so desperate for something from God, we're so desperate for an answer from God that we lose our sense of reverence for God's word. We lose our sense of reverence for God's law. We're so desperate to get what we think we deserve from God that we completely shy away from God's word. All we want is for our pain to be taken away. All we want is for our desperate situation to be fixed. And so we begin to feel like, you know, God's word doesn't really work. It doesn't pay to walk in obedience to God. 
It feels like God's word is powerless to us, all because we are desperate or in a state of emotional or physical pain. And so we are willing to compromise. We are willing to cut corners. We lack the humility to wait in humility for God's response. But notice again that that's not what we see here with our ten lepers. Again, in spite of their desperate condition, these men remain humble and obedient to the Lord. They stand at a distance away from Jesus and the crowd. And so there is a very real sense in which a spirit of humility works to our advantage in having our prayers answered and having God meet our needs. Getting back to our text in verse 14, we're told these words. It simply says, Jesus saw them. Jesus saw them. Jesus saw them. Now, these are people who the law and society is trying to isolate. It's trying to make them invisible. These people are, in a sense, marginalized. There's a sense in which nobody wants to see their pain. Nobody wants to deal with their issue. And so there's a sense in which nobody truly understands what these 10 gentlemen are going through. And there's a sense in which, in varying degrees, we all feel like that at times. We feel like nobody really cares. Nobody really understands what we're going through. Nobody can really sense our pain. Even though there might be a crowd around us, there might be a crowd nearby, we still feel separated. We still feel distant. We still feel misunderstood. It's us and our pain, us and our desperation, us and our discomfort. But there's a message of hope for us here. Just as Jesus saw them, this here is a reminder to us that Jesus sees our pain. Jesus sees our discomfort. Jesus sees our desperation. A favorite scripture of mine for a very long time has been Psalm 34 verses 18, and it says simply, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He saves those who are crushed in spirit. Let that sink into your heart. The Lord is close to you. If you're brokenhearted, he sees you. If you're crushed in spirit, not only does he see you, but scripture says he is near. So we can rest assured that even when we don't feel it, even when the crowd seems far away, even when Jesus seems far away, Jesus sees our desperation. He sees our pain. Now, this should also cause us to pause and think. Let's not only think of our own pain and our own sense of desperation, but let's, let's think about this. Who are those people that have become invisible to us? Who is that sick person that you need to call to tell them, listen, I've been thinking about you. Listen, God cares for you. Listen, things will get better. God calls us 
to be that for people that are invisible, that are marginalized, that need to hear a word of hope and encouragement. Let God use you to let someone know that in spite of their situation, in spite of their pain, in spite of their loneliness, their depression, their weariness, their lack of hope, they are not invisible. We serve a God who sees their pain and he has placed you there to speak a word of hope into their lives. Now I want us to notice something else. Jesus sees these men, but funny enough, he doesn't heal them immediately. We know that Jesus has done that before. Instead, Jesus gives them an instruction. He says, gentlemen, go and show yourselves to the priest. Jesus gives them an instruction to obey. And so I want us to notice something else that really worked to the advantage of these 10 lepers in having their need met and having their uh, prayer answered. It is that they believed Jesus at his word, and not only that, but they obeyed. Jesus gave them things that they had to do, instructions that they had to obey, and they obeyed his word immediately. Imagine what would have happened if the ten lepers said, okay, but we're, we're still sick. You're telling us to go to the priest, but we're not healed. Heal us right now, and then we'll go to the priest. Probably they might have missed their miracle. But Jesus told them to obey the law and go and show themselves to the priest. And notice what the text said. It says, as they went they were cleansed. So it was as they were believing Jesus, and not only believing him, but obeying that their prayer was answered. And so the picture I have in my mind about this is that as they're going to the priest, they're getting better and better. As they're going to the priest, step by step, their skin is getting clearer and clearer. If a limb had fallen off, as they're going to the priest, step by step, the finger is growing longer and longer. Imagine that. It was as they took steps of obedience to Jesus' word that their need was met. Now, very often, the answer to our prayers lies not only in hearing God's word, but obeying it even when we don't fully understand why God wants us to obey his word. In John 14, 21, a pretty popular uh, scripture to some, Jesus says, whoever has my commands and obeys them, he is the one who loves me. He who loves me will be loved by my father, and I too will love him and show myself to him. Now, there's a very real sense in which often it might be easy for us to know what God wants us to do. We know, for example, that God might want us to let go of some bitterness or hatred uh, towards someone. We know that maybe God might want us to forgive a person who hurts us. We know God wants us to be generous with our resources, to be kind and loving to those that don't love us back. Often, it's easy to know what we're supposed to do, 
But walking it out is a whole nother ball game. Very often, it's not easy to walk in obedience to Jesus' commands, especially when we don't understand why we have to do it. But in this text, we're showing something different. These 10 lepers obey immediately, even when they don't have the full picture right there and then. Often we want to know what's going to happen, and then we'll obey. Not so with these 10 lepers. Scripture tells us, do not grow weary in well-doing, for in due time you shall reap if you faint not. So my encouragement to you here is, even when you don't understand why God would want you to go a certain direction, why God would want you to keep loving someone who doesn't love you back, to forgive someone who, who is hurtful towards you, my encouragement to you is that obey God's word even when you don't fully understand why. The next thing we're told is that as they're going, one of them notices something different about himself. He actually notices that he's getting better. He notices that he's not what he used to be. Probably he was paying close attention to what was going on as he was going towards the priest. He stops and says, wait a minute, something about me has changed. I'm not like I was just when I was calling Jesus a few moments ago. And so let me pose this question to you. When was the last time you took a moment to notice that your faith in Jesus, your obedience to Jesus, is making you a better person? Maybe you're not as angry as you used to be. Maybe you're not as selfish as you used to be. Maybe you're not as unforgiving as you used to be. Maybe you're not as worried or depressed as you used to be. Maybe you're just not as anxious as you used to be. All because you are choosing to walk in obedience and faith in Jesus' word. So this one man, he realizes that he's changing. He's re he realizes that he's not what he used to be. And the scripture tells us that when he notices this, when he notices what Jesus has done for him, he says to himself, wait a minute. I can't just keep going. I can't just go back to life as usual. I've got to turn around and go back and say thank you to Jesus. Now think about this. This man doesn't even get to the priest. He decides to turn back and go back and thank Jesus. Imagine that. Uh, very recently, I had a small lesson on how easy it is to forget to say thank you once you get what you want. I had made a commitment a while back to do something, and very recently, it collided with a whole lot of other arrangements that we were trying to make. And so about a week ago, I had to type out a, a sort of painful email to say, I'm really sorry, I, I can't make this commitment. I really thought I could do it. Is there anything that we can do? And I was kind of worried on what the response to the email would be. But I got a reply back, and this gentleman says, Bob, don't worry about it. I'll take care of it. It's covered. Don't give it a second thought. And in my heart, I said yes when I saw that email. And I was just about to go about my business as usual, and I had to literally stop myself and say, wait a minute. 
you were asking for something. Now that you've gotten it, you can't even spare a second to say thank you. And I had to type out an email to say thank you. I really appreciate this. Thank you for covering for me. And so I got a lesson on how easy it is and how quickly we can forget to say thank you once we get what we want. But back to this one leper who, when he notices this change, goes back to Jesus. Verse 15 says, one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, glorifying God with a loud voice. He fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. And then it says this, and he was a Samaritan. Now, some of you might know the Samaritans and the Jews didn't get along back then. So this little statement is meant to sting. It's meant to drive a point home. Now, notice something. Just as Jesus could see this man's pain when nobody else could see it, just as Jesus saw his desperation, this man, this one man, sees what Jesus has done for him when all his other friends don't see it. He sees that Jesus has healed him. He sees that God deserves praise, and he goes back and he sees that Jesus deserves thanks. And whereas before, we saw that he had to stand at a distance from the crowd and away from Jesus. But now, he comes right up close to Jesus and falls at Jesus' feet, thanking him. Jesus' grace, mercy, and love has brought this man close. Then in verse 17, Jesus says something interesting. He says, were there not ten cleansed, but the nine, where are they? Was no one found who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? Some versions say, except this stranger. Jesus notices, Jesus notices that the other nine gentlemen didn't say thank you. He notices that the other nine didn't express their gratitude. He notices that only one person comes back to say thank you. And another thing Jesus notices, he notices that this person is a foreigner. And so this tells us something. There's a very good chance that the other nine lepers were probably all Jewish, maybe even from the region of Galilee. And so there's a sense in which for the Jewish lepers, being healed by Jesus was not as much of a big deal as it was for this stranger, this foreigner, this outsider. And this here reminds me of myself. Follow me closely. I don't mean to be offensive, but I'm trying to drive a point home. Having grown up in Zambia, there are so many blessings I see here in Japan that we all experience and that I'm so grateful to God for. Here, generally speaking, you always have electricity. You always have 
running water. And I, I'm not saying this is how it is everywhere where I come from, but there are certain places that I've experienced where that is not the case. Here, you always, generally speaking, have perfect internet connectivity. The banks here are always working. Everything here runs on time. There are so many things here in Japan that as a stranger, as a foreigner, there's a sense in which I can appreciate them at a much deeper level because where I come from, that's me in particular, things are quite different. I didn't grow up with these things. And so I can relate to this stranger, this outsider, this, how, this foreigner and how he must have felt. This was something that was a true miracle from him. Not that the other nine didn't appreciate it, but my point is there's a sense in which for him, it had a very special significance. And so Jesus says, is it only this foreigner, this stranger who could come back and say thank you? And so here, we see that this outsider has no sense of entitlement. He feels he doesn't deserve anything from Jesus. He realizes that as a Samaritan, Jesus doesn't owe him anything. He realizes that all he has is by the grace and mercy of God. And this causes him to respond to Jesus. And so... It's not just enough to feel these things, to have a warm, fuzzy feeling about them. True gratitude to God goes hand in hand with action. If we're really thankful to God for what he's done for us, for saving us, it should probably show in our words. It should probably show in our actions to those around us and to God as well. And so my encouragement to us is this. Let the grace and mercy that God has shown us make us appreciate God more. Let the mercy and grace that God has shown us to draw us near to him make us appreciate the people around us more. Let our gratitude to God overflow into actions of thanksgiving to God and to those around us. Can we wake up in the morning with breath in our lungs and not spare a moment to say, Lord, thank you? Of course we can. That happens quite a lot. But I'm trying to remind us, let's not take this for granted. Can we have health in our bodies, food in our bellies, and forget to say thank you to God? Of course we can. But let's not forget to be thankful. Can we look at the children we have, even though they may irritate us sometimes? Can we look at them and fail to be grateful to God for them? It's possible. And so my encouragement to us is let's not forget to be thankful. Let us not grow entitled to the blessings God has given us, whatever they may be. Let us not grow so familiar that we forget to say thank you day by day. Finally, as I've talked so much, let me try and bring the message to a close. Verse 19 tells us this. It says, and he, that's Jesus, says to this one leper, stand up and go. Your faith has made you well. Now, scholars across the board agree that the Greek verb that Jesus uses here to say to this man, your faith has made you well, or your faith has made you whole, 
It's Jesus literally telling this man, saying, your faith has saved you. Jesus here is not just talking about this physical healing, this outer cleansing that has obviously taken place. Jesus here is talking specifically about a spiritual and inward cleansing that has happened in this man. Jesus is giving this man the assurance of salvation. And so the other nine lepers, they could have been saved as well. We don't know. But what we do know for sure is that this one guy, this one person, this one ex-leper who came back and was grateful and thankful is the only person who receives assurance from Jesus among his nine friends of being cleansed and of having his sins forgiven. The others did not receive this assurance because they failed to be grateful and thankful. And so... There is a sense in which our gratitude to God, our thankfulness and praise to God brings a sense of assurance that indeed we are children of God. Thankfulness and gratitude allows the Holy Spirit to speak to our hearts, giving us assurance of acceptance that truly we are God's children. And so my prayer is that as we go out into our week, we will be grateful and thankful to God and be able to give him praise even in the small things that we do. Let's pray together. Father, we are grateful for your word. Thank you that we can be reminded from the story, Lord, of the ten lepers to be thankful, to be grateful, to be appreciative of all that you have done for us and all that you continue to do. Uh, may you empower us by your spirit um, not to rely on our own strength, but to look to you um, in all these things. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.